We always say seat time is king, so sit on down and listen in to Motorsports Tech Talk with your hosts, Brian and Eric. Eric, how's it going? Pretty good. Did some uh, mini-moto practice today, this morning. feel like I'm getting the hang of it. It's dope. Actually, I'm all about it right now. It's my thing now. Yeah, it, did it did it go better than the, the last time? Uh, yes and no. Uh, so... Uh, funny story actually. Um, so my tires suck, um, and car tracks, uh, suck for grip, indoor ones anyway, cause they're polished concrete. Uh, you know, they're looking at the longevity of their own tires. They don't care about your grip level. Um, but the grippiest tire supposedly you can get on that track, at least in winter is some white walls right for scooters and they don't look sticky at all but um someone bought him as a joke and went about and he was already fast but you know he was part of the fast pack and he went about a second faster than everyone else so it's like the thing now now <laughs> you show up and almost everybody <laughs> has white walls um it's it's dope it's like the it's like the new meta <laughs> pretty much um so i bought some i installed them um, and then when I, I, I mean, I installed them on the wheel and when I went to put them on the bike, um, you know, I tried to inflate them and I realized I pinched one of the tubes in one of them. So I was super pissed off, took it to a place and I'm like, Hey, you guys do this cause I don't have time right now. Um, and they bent the, f they bent my wheel. Uh, I bought the wheel from some company that doesn't really advertise where they come from, but I'm pretty sure they're just China wheels. Um, it's very low quality steel, but still. So I was all stoked to go in with some grippy white walls and that didn't happen. But I think it worked out for the better for my learning curve because uh, I guess without getting too deep into it, which, which we can if you want, um, but effectively for this type of thing what you do is you just let the bike go down you let it go down uh mm. you lean over like you know like you're putting a knee on the ground and the bike will fall because it's a child's 50 cc bike it's got no weight uh and no speed behind it and it's just gonna fall over and then when it does um you wait because it's it's on an arc right as it's falling because you're in a corner it's going through the corner uh you use your knee sort of as a pivot to like kind of hold it up so you're not just all the way on the ground and then as soon as it's pointing the direction you want to go you you give it the beans and the bike up, uprights itself and you just let it pull you up with it and that's I could have explained that before watching like supermoto videos and stuff, but like actually physically doing it, there's just some sort of brain barrier I had, but I got it now, son. I'm doing it. I'm all about it. Nice. Getting those like 80 nice. degree so lean the... angles. It's fucking sick. So yeah, I'm going <laughs> to, so now... I'm going to sell some shit and buy a supermoto bike for summer. It's my thing. It's my new thing. I suck, but it's, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm all about it now. So, so now once you get your sticky tires, now you'll just be that much better. You'll, you're ready for them. Pretty much, dude. Yeah. I'm, 
I, I don't know what I'm going to do with the wheel. Like maybe try and straighten it out or maybe try and buy someone's used wheel if they sell them by one. But yes, I'll get the sticky tires on there for the next race. I got the technique kind of down. Watch out. I'm coming. Coming, son. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Good. Good, uh, good to hear. Good to make it some progress. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, what about you, buddy? Yeah, I mean, still uh, still progressing towards getting the Specmiata kind of ready for the season. Um, I, I dropped the transmission off to get rebuilt um, a few weeks ago. It sounds like it's ready as of uh, today, so that's nice. That's good. I got the I got my built cylinder head in, so that's that's ready to go. Um, I think so. That, I mean, the trans has got to go in now because it's well, there's no transmission in it right now because that's the one I rebuilt. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that'll go in. Uh, I got to do my rear end, um, uh, re- rebuilding the rear end, the rear diff and the, as well as swapping from the 410 rear end uh, ratio yes. to a 430. So that should be a big help for me. It's the 410 is allowed in NASA, but not in SCCA. So I, since I raced NASA, I decided to try it out for a season as well as just kind of being lazy. It's already in the car. Yeah. Um, so I, I I tried it out and I, I just didn't like it. It it made it hard to kind of race in a pack because when you when you come up on someone, you try to bump draft. You're in different gears, so maybe you have a good run on them. You'd give them the bump and then I, I'd shift, but then they'd still be in like the better portion of of third gear or something after I shift from second to third or or something like that, and mm-hmm. they would just they would just fly away and it. It was frustrating. There were there were a few tracks. It helped because it allowed me to use second gear uh, to kind of pull pull out of corners. But ultimately, that led to some. I, I is part of the reason that led to a few transmission failures because I was just using the two three shift. Yeah, just uh, all the, the three time. two downshift. Yeah, just way way more. Like I I did the numbers and like basically I use it ten times more than any more any other uh, you know competitor. And at least in this region for the tracks we go to. So, um, and it just, it's the, there's a, there's a pretty wide spread between them. So it's just really hard. The, the synchros are working hard on that one. And if you're trying to go as fast as possible and banging that thing into gear, it just, it wasn't happy. I, I definitely could have smoothed it out. It may have been a little slower, but it made it last longer. But ultimately I think the, the, the main culprit is that rear end. So okay. once I go, to, once I go to the 430. I think it'll. I think I, I might gain some speed as well as uh, make it easier to race. You know. Yeah. Clo- close with everyone. You're gonna be getting more of those first place trophies. Yep, that's that's the plan. All that's right. the plan. That's the hope. That's the dream. So Good. yeah, and then the engine builds starting. I mean, I have all the parts now, so I don't plan to have it ready for the start of the season. I think it's gonna be like a, a mid maybe a mid mid season refresh get it ready for nationals so um i think i think the goal is to get it in for gingerman since it's the you know the premier racing track in the united states it is definitely the best you know, everyone 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 wants to win it so uh, i think i think i need to do gingerman proud and then get that get the thing in there for that that one but mm-hmm. uh but yeah that's so that's coming along. That's that's always good. Um, didn't didn't make as much prog- progress on the uh, champ car as 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 hoped. 
Um, it's, sure. I mean, I can make as many excuses as I want, but it was like 10 degrees out this, this, uh, this weekend, which doesn't help in the, in the non-insulated garage since the insulated garage is filled with other projects. <laughs> yeah. Well, really the, the so, different version of the same project, kind of another chump yeah, car starium. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Yep. Yep. So, uh, I guess speaking of uh, Champ Car, there was uh, there was the first race of the season this weekend yep. at glorious hot Atlanta, uh, Road Atlanta, yeah, but dude. maybe not so hot <laughs> this weekend. No, it's it snowed, uh, I believe, this year and last year, and I don't know, maybe the year before, but yeah, man. I'm, at least the last two years. Yeah, Brazelton, Georgia, dude, bringing the snow. <laughs> Who'd have guessed? Yeah, I haven't I haven't gotten a race in the snow yet, but I mean I imagine it's similar to racing in the rain, but you can't see anything. What you can't see anything in the rain either, so it's I'm, I imagine it's worse, especially at night because it was snowing at night, and that's just that can't be fun. Yeah, yeah, or, probably or maybe sucks. it's really extra fun. Yeah, that too. It all depends on your approach, I suppose. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, I mean, um, I, I'm a big fan of Road Atlanta, you know, I mean, weather aside, you know, like you just said, it, it might not be fun, but, uh, I love that track personally. It's, you know, a few corners, pretty high speed. Um, almost every corner is blind for, you know, whatever reason, but, uh, yeah, man, those downhill S's and back straight and yeah, it's. Turn 12, it's all fun. Good times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, turn turn 12 is definitely a, a fun one. And just coming coming over that, uh, coming up to the bridge there before turn 12, uh, I guess that's turn 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, it's, in the video games, especially because a lot of time in, like, say, Forza, I play with third-person view just because it's it's easier to see. Um, definitely not as realistic, of course, but, uh, when you, when you're in the car and you're going over that hill, it's, you just can't see anything. You have to, you have to kind of pick a point on that bridge to aim, aim yourself. And then once you come over, then, then you'll find yourself in the right spot. But I remember when I first, uh, did a practice day there for, for a champ car race, I went out there, was doing a, doing a lap. And then I came up on that and just, I was way too far left and I just bailed into the pit lane. And just did a quick little, uh, little, (laughs) yeah, little detour. It's crazy too. Like it doesn't, I mean, this, this is sort of the case with everything, uh, and like all elevation change, um, you know, in real life compared to a video game, but, uh, you really don't appreciate it until you're there and, you know, going through 11, you, you go under the bridge, you cross the hill and. I remember thinking, like, holy shit, this is steep, you know? Like, driving into the track, I felt the same way, you know? Because you, you, the the entrance is to the right of that, or at least as you're coming in, you know, not track right. But um, you're like, wow, this is way steeper than I thought. And, uh, yeah, actually doing it at pace, it's like, oh, this is, you know, the ground's really falling away from you, you know? And, uh yeah. If you use the 
motorcycle route. I believe the beginning of that route is the same as the pit in that you used, that uh, Champ Car uses. Is that right? Yeah. Just all the way so. on the left? Yeah. Yeah, so without yep. the without that right hand curved down, that like that's even steeper, right? That's yeah, well, it's, it's crazy. It's fun, but uh, yeah, it was a big it was a big shock. Yeah, yeah, but I I do really like it. I haven't uh, I haven't gotten to do an actual uh, race there yet, so um, I, it's definitely on the list of of to do on the bucket list of doing a race there. So. Uh, maybe soon. Uh, definitely one thing being in Michigan, it's, it's a little bit of a pain to, to prep your car for that race in February. Cause it, you know, right now it's 10 degrees. We have like a foot of snow on the ground and, you know, yeah, it sucks. just work doing the, doing the work on the shop in this kind of weather, as well as towing out there, like, and the roads are, are plowed and everything, but it's just, it's not as fun as, uh, you know, as doing it when it's not freezing cold. So, right. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree, but you know, Michigan sucks. So but yeah, it's, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it looked like, uh, up to that point. Cause the, the I believe the race ended, uh, around, I think it was close to, it looks like maybe three hours early, uh, due to the snow, uh, which, you know, probably, probably a good idea. I mean, right. Uh, don't want anyone wadding up their cars for for no reason, right? No, it's I don't I don't know of any other race series that races in the snow, other than like snow rally stuff or ice racing. But yeah, <laughs> it would be funny though if some teams showed up with like but, some blizzaks. Be funny. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think last year, um, Parts Badger had. I know they had some like Connie uh, extreme contacts. Uh, they might, I, they might have also brought like <laughs> almost a snow tire, but like the they brought like a three hundred treadwear, you know, all season or maybe not all season, but like summer uh, tire. And yeah, they they were like moving. That's that's basically how they got the win last year. Yeah, um, which I I could definitely see as a definitely an advantage. Oh, for sure. Uh, but this. But this year we had uh, Cone Crushers with their Porsche 944 taking the W. Um, uh, Our Bank Racing in second with their CRX. Okay. Uh, so two 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 pretty uh, yeah well known teams well known teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've they've been around a long time. We have John Allen Special also been around a very long time, but with a newer car as of I believe last year with their Mini Cooper S. So I think that's think that's their best finish. Um, it's always interesting to see the newer cars come in. A 2007, that's that's quite a bit newer. Yeah. Than the uh, 1980s <laughs> 80s cars in front of them. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and then uh, we have Visceral Racing Group in in fourth with their 944, another another staple. Uh, and then uh, Leviathan Motorsports with their MR2, and who also I believe been been around a very long time. So kind of uh, the top five, uh, kind of some the the old guard I'd say. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. Nothing, nothing too. Yeah, nothing too. I guess uh, I didn't notice any kind of interesting 
crazy new builds or anything <laughs> like nothing uh that would shock the the balance or anything it, it looks like mostly everyone just you know made their off-season updates i think there was a lot of it seemed like there were a lot of new miatas out there uh just nice fresh miata builds yeah well it is a fantastic platform yeah yeah it's, it's always the it's, answer uh, <laughs> i'd say it's good in nearly every way for champ car other than this fuel capacity that's that's definitely it's achilles heel there yeah but i hear what you're saying to, but i think it's good in every way for every application <laughs> my humble opinion yeah well you know how how many how many do you own right now right now i i'm i'm down to zero yeah, well, that doesn't sound like someone who's really endorsing the the platform. Well, I only have one car right now, so, you know. Yeah, that's kind of, it's like the opposite of me, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yin and yang, bro. That's yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's how we achieve balance here on Motorsports Tech Talk. <laughs> but uh, uh, I guess, you know, uh, it looked like, a lot of people had a good time, but there was also, you know, a little bit of uh, drama, as as there tends to be. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there's, believe... there's always drama, but I saw the the Facebook pages lighten up with people talking about derbies and passing multiple cars under multiple different reds. Tell me. Tell me about that. What's what's the, yeah. what's the sitch? Well, it, so... I don't know road road Atlanta. So I've I've been there. I, I went there two years, for two years. I, I can't remember which years. It was, it was a couple years back. Uh, I was there with GWR. I was just crewing for them, and you know I, I I was able to get a little bit of track time during the practice day. But for the most part, I was just crewing, helping out, and uh, and I don't know what it is, but it seems like every year there's there's lots of incidents, uh, and it, and it'll start early it started the practice day i think two years in a row there were cars that flipped during the practice day and that's uh, uh, surprising yeah very surprising um yeah because it's it's like an open track day there's no point buys or anything although you know people will give them which is perfectly considerate i think for Fine. for just a track day i mean we're not they're not racing um mm -hmm. but yeah i think it's just maybe maybe there's some guys getting in the cars that yeah, they're getting up to speed. Maybe this is the first time ever on the track or in that car, so they're getting up to speed. And then you got the guys who are all you know ready to go up to speed and maybe trying to test uh, test some stuff out in their car and see what kind of lap times they can get. So uh, those two seem to, to contend to clash. <laughs> maybe the other person just doesn't see them coming, and uh, and with all the blind corners and and it being a relatively technical track uh yeah it just seems to tend uh, tend to lead to a lot of issues on top of also kind of being the first race of the season although i guess it depends on where you are i mean ra the races in champ car go into december um usually at least i don't think last year it had sebring in december but usually you have your like a new year's eve uh sebring race so like a lot of times the racing goes pretty far in and then so that only leaves you really a month off but 
Um, I imagine most teams, I mean, maybe in that region, like might have done Sebring and then Road Atlanta, but maybe some of the teams traveling out, they haven't raced since October or something like that. So, I mean, I, whenever I start the, uh, like, expect me out of season, it, it does take me a couple sessions to really kind of get back in the groove. So it could be kind of that off season rust, uh, but then that instead of just causing slow lap times it's causing incidents but um but yeah, i don't know it's 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 strange it seems to always always be some sort of issues um it's usually a a well-attended race as well uh there's usually around 100 entrants so uh, that can obviously extra traffic makes things potentially uh you know more more potential incidents to happen but I don't know. It's it. It seems to happen every year. Where this year it seemed to uh, show up basically on like the first lap, or maybe not even almost not the first lap before the first lap. Similar, uh, very similar to our little the little Daytona incident uh, a week ago, uh, where just see yeah, someone. What what it looked like to me is uh, one of the teams they come over the radio with the with the call for green and with how many cars there are on track, a lot of times it can, uh, you know, you, you'll be not even through 10 by the time it goes green, uh, at the start finish. So right. they get, they get the, they get the green, but there's still yellows shown, uh, at the corner worker stations cause they haven't pulled them yet. Um, uh, but they get the green call. So they just gun it. And then somehow manage, uh, one of the teams managed to basically just punt, from behind one of the a, a Camaro, I believe, just off the track, and yeah, it's not not a good start. So it sounds like they could be a pro BMW GTLM driver for starters. <laughs> um, yeah, but no. Also, to show for ourselves, that sounds sort of like more people should have radios, which if they listened to our last podcast about what we would recommend having when you go to the track, you could avoid these issues. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think it's come up in drivers' meetings before where you know, if, if start finish is green, the whole track should be green, but just maybe the corner workers just didn't get the call quick enough or they're just, uh, they're just a little delayed on, on putting the flag down. So, you know, the, the teams that don't have radios just still see the yellow. Uh, and whereas the teams that do are, are, are gunning it, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a BMW that, that caused the incident. So it's <laughs> very, it's even it's better, similar, as similar as it could be to, to IMSA. I mean, you know, sometimes people try to say, do what the pros do learn from them, but yeah, maybe this, this <laughs> not the case here. Yeah, maybe in this case, uh, don't drive into the guy who's in front of you before you pass the checker when like before the race even really starts yeah 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 i mean it's it's a 14 hour race and you know it's (laughs) uh, yeah things happen but right but i think that uh that caused uh you know what we like to call a come to jesus meeting uh so they i believe they black flag all black flag all and brought them all into the pits to to give them a little talking to maybe get them to calm down a little bit but i don't know i mean it it kind of works sometimes but and with it being the start already i mean 
everyone was already. I mean, maybe it cools them down a little bit, but uh, but yeah. But then yeah, it sounds like issues kind of continued. I mean, there's always passing under yellow, but maybe it sounded like there was a lot, mm-hmm. um, a lot more than usual, and then some yeah passing under red flags, which that one's a that that's a strange one. Yeah, passing under red uh, flags. Maybe the only time I would expect to see it is. Um, Despite what the rule book says and what they say in the driver's meeting and sort of what common sense says, I have seen people like throw out the parachute when they see it, right? And they come to a very quick stop, not a safe, smooth, controlled stop. So I would, um, I, I personally don't get upset when I see people make passes when that happens. Because it's, you know, don't fucking ABS stop uh, like into the guy in front of you because, you know, they're stopping so quick, right? Just go around them. You got a whole track. Um, so is my personal feeling is if that happens, okay. But, um, yeah, generally, you know, if you're just driving around the track and everybody else has stopped, you're missing something. Yeah, yeah, it's, and, and, you know, again, it could, it could be down to, you know, newer drivers not knowing where the flag stations are, but, uh, and with a lot of blind corners, sometimes it's a little tricky, but uh, from what I remember, I mean, a lot of the flag stations really weren't at the corners, weren't hard to see, it was just maybe once you got over it, you wouldn't really see what's happening, you know, beyond it, so, Mm -hmm. yeah, kind of even more incentive to slow down, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, there's, there's always going to be passing under yellow. I, I wasn't sure if I saw any other, uh, kind of more major incidents, but, uh, I don't know. Just, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of buzz going around, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the social medias and everything. Um, oh, good. but yeah, it's. I mean, it's eh, end of the day. It's it's an endurance. It's an amateur endurance racing series. You 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 know you don't need any uh, experience at all uh, to to race, which you know some people see as bad because you know they don't want to race with people like that. And but I mean, I honestly I see it overall as good because it just gets more people into the sport and right. not having you know barriers is is nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it gets people into the sport. And, um, I mean, a lot of it is, uh, you know, I mean, you, you could adopt the like NASA approach, I guess, but, um, you don't want to get to the point where it's like, uh, most college students trying to find a job right now, you know, entry level, 10 years experience required sort of thing. (laughs) Yeah. You You don't, you don't want to do that. So. No. Yeah. It's, I, I think there could be, uh, there's definitely merits to both systems. Um, the, the, I guess the, the, the problem, maybe not problem, I, I guess the, the critique of the NASA system I have is, uh, it's just, it can, it, it's good to get people up to speed, you know, kind of slowly and, and have them work their way up in a, in a kind of nice controlled environment with the instructors and everything. But, I don't know. It seems like they're pushing for more and for you to do more and more events before they'll check you off to HPD two, three, four. 
Um, and that just that can cost a lot of money. I mean, in, in track days and, and, you know, consumables and everything. Right. Uh, when if your ultimate goal is to just go racing, um, you know, it, it can kind of, you know, add a barrier uh, to your entry into into this sport. So I think it's it's good. It's it's good to have a, a an area, a place where people can just jump in if they want to. Um, but I think just everyone, everyone participating needs to understand that and be aware that, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be people out there that, you know, have never done this before. So try to, try to give a little more room, try to be ready, anticipate some weird moves mm -hmm. that you don't expect. But yeah, yeah it's, it, it's kind of, I, I see it as part of the game. It's part of the experience as a, as a, as a driver in champ car racing, like them to, to know where to put your car and be ready for, you know some weird stuff <laughs> yeah you know i i agree honestly and then you know to draw more comparisons to other racing like based off that lmp3 race is it really that far off you know <laughs> like or even even uh gtlm <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's um you know, sometimes people are going to make boneheaded moves, and that's that's part of racing. You got to be able to deal with it, right? Um, if you're driving your car at ten tenths the whole time, um, first of all, no, you're not, because I'm <laughs> sure Lewis Hamilton could go faster, right? <laughs> so relax. Um, but also, if you're doing that, if you're driving at your limit. Uh, and you're leaving no room to adjust. It's just kind of a, that's a rookie move as well. I think, you know, you, you might think you're an all-star driver, but, uh, you know, if you can't make some slight change or anticipate a need to make one, so just leave that extra barrier in case you do, then, you know, it takes two to tango for the most part. Yeah. If you're a Camaro and you get yeah. rear-ended, uh, I don't know. But most of the time, <laughs> it takes two to tango. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the way. I guess one one thing I've noticed is uh, I wouldn't say a lot of the blame or, or or really blame, but I think one thing that can cause I think uh, or that one way this could be avoided is I think from the team captain uh, really laying down kind of the the ground rules right off the bat. Um, Cause I've raced with some teams where they're basically like, go out there, go as fast as you can. You need to go, you know, you need to pass every person. You can't get stuck behind people. We, you know, we want to win, go as fast as possible. Um, you know, go fast, don't hit stuff. Uh, <laughs> right. Is there, is their motto. Um, but, uh, I, I've noticed that, I mean, I've, I've witnessed it, uh, not turn out, too well in, in a few cases um and and then i've raced with uh, a team or two where they more uh they more talk about you know saving the car being consistent and uh, as far as i remember that's that, that car in the few races i drove it really only had two incidents and both of them were basically i maybe more caused by another vehicle just kind of uh, one one was caused by a car that I believe the team's been banned from Champ Car, uh, right. uh, and then another one, uh, 
it was just they were coming out of the pits and or we were coming out of the pits and it was just uh it was raining and it seemed to be just a misjudgment maybe on one or both the drivers so uh, but otherwise i mean pretty clean so i think if you make sure the driver knows kind of what's expected of them so they don't have to guess uh, mm-hmm. and also give them realistic expectations don't be like oh we need you to be at this lap time knowing that maybe they probably can't get there right yeah that's, it's just that's a uh, bad move for sure yeah it's it's you know it's uh it's definitely good to try to kind of set those ground rules so yeah um but but yeah, I mean, and then as as a driver, it's it's also important for you to to you know be be realistic with yourself, be and try to be as confident as possible without being overconfident uh, that you're you're doing moves that you know you're not gonna be able to to pull off. So right, it's an interesting juggling act I find um, that you may not have in sprint racing or you know even pro racing if you're like the gentleman driver you know you're the guy paying for it or whatever um you know you're there to have fun first of all um you guys want to do well you and your team want to do well you want to go fast you kind of want to push yourself you want to make some passes um if you start playing mind games with yourself you know typically driver confidence goes down you know you can start overthinking things and that's bad um so you don't, it's weird because you don't really want to think about it while you're in the car, but you also do need to recognize that there's three other dudes or so, um, or ladies, you know, if they're driving, um, that are waiting for their turn. Uh, if you bend the car, that everybody's done, not just you, right? And if you're renting, it might be a big paycheck to, you know, pay for the car, um, you know, or if the person who built the car just takes it as a hit, that sucks for them. You know, it's a lot of time and money. Um, I mean, even if you do it cheaply, it's a decent amount of money. Um, so yeah, you, you do also have to realize that like, it is an endurance race. Every lap isn't the last lap and you have an entire team that wants to race, right? I mean, let's, yeah. let's be blunt. We're all a bunch of pores and we want to go race. <laughs> this is the, this yeah. is the best way for us to do it. So if you went from Michigan to road Atlanta and been the car in your first session, you got a lot of people who just drove from Michigan to road Atlanta and they're not going to be able to race a race car, you know? Yeah. Uh, it sucks. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's yeah it's 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 a really good point like you you have to consider all the other people you know on your team like with and i one thing that i kind of like about spec miata is that because it's just me and my car anything i do is my fault and only really reflects on me and only hurts me so yeah um, not that i go out there just trying to you know take people out and and everything but you know when it uh happens from time to time it's <laughs> uh it's it uh you know it, it's nice to to know that you can just take full responsibility for it and not worry about ruining kind of anyone else's weekend other than of course the the guy you hit but in in both cases i mean you're in in the champ car case and the spec matter case i mean 
you're taking someone out. You're, you're already ruining their weekend. And then on top of that, you're ruining your entire, you know, your team's weekend. So yeah, it, it's definitely something to consider for sure. Uh, you know, you don't have to get the fastest lap in your, on your team or in the race or it, you can still win without doing that as long as you're just consistent and making good moves and, and have good strategy. So, right. you know, like what we said in the, the last episode, you take some of those tips and, you know, and don't wreck your car in the first lap, then you're already ahead of the game. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. So, yeah, it's, but I'm sure it won't be the last time something like that happens, but, you know, uh, I think I think nowadays I think the the outrage is a little too quick and like just let let people kind of dissect it a little bit and and first before you just start yeah calling for them to be banned from the series <laughs> yeah I mean that's that's definitely fair right you know if um and uh you know if one car has a radio and they get called green and they're expecting everyone to go I mean. Um, you know, they say that you don't win on the first lap, but you can lose on it, which is definitely true. Um, but as you also know, if you give up a position, you can spend many, 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 many laps trying to fight to get it back. So I understand jumping Mm -hmm. right when you hear the call for green, right? And it's not your fault. The other team doesn't have a radio. Um, but these cars are not high-powered cars. Um, you know, as we mentioned, like with the BMW and GTLM, um, they're, I mean, the BMWs, uh, the size of a yacht, but most of these race cars are lightweight and they got a decent amount of power. Um, so you stab it expecting everyone to go because it's green and they don't. Um, and before you can do anything, you're already in the, you know, in their trunk, uh, or in the Porsche's case in their engine bay. Um, mm-hmm. but this, you know, honestly, I, I would expect a little more out of a driver, even though you're an amateur. I mean, what do you have? 200 horsepower, right? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, and like <laughs> 3000 pounds at a minimum. I mean, for for a normal full-size car, not not a Miata, obviously. Um, yeah, like, you should be able to tell that the guy in front of you is not going. And, uh Now, in that video, it does look like they try to avoid it too late, you know. Um, right? He does swerve yeah. and then hit the Camaro. Um, so he, he tries to react, but still... I, I expect yeah. a little bit more, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we we all make mistakes, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, and that that's the name of the game too, right? Is it sucks, but it's racing. So if if you're not comfortable showing up and riding off your car, you shouldn't be there. Even yeah. if it's not your fault, you need to, you know, expect to be able to write everything off. So, yeah, you, it's, yeah, you do, you need to be uh, ready for that uh, potential outcome. Uh, 
in this case I don't think I'm not sure how much damage the other the Camaro got uh, you couldn't really see in the in the video I saw um, but I mean luckily the BMW was okay I mean they, they kept driving um, so probably mm -hmm. just some front bumper damage and everything but but yeah it's we don't no one likes to see it so uh, you know hopefully you know the that driver uh, will learn from that and uh, not not do it again as long as we keep improving then maybe the stuff will start to be more and more rare yeah yeah for sure but um but yeah one i mean one thing uh, i want to talk about tonight as well uh or today or whenever you're listening we're, we're recording this at night but uh <laughs> uh, uh kind of looking at looking at the list and seeing you know a newer car uh you know, a 2007 mini cooper it makes me think about like uh uh, the future of kind of this budget endurance racing uh, and what kind of cars we'll see. And then also makes me think, well, uh, well, eventually we just not be able to get a manual transmissioned race car, <laughs> you know, for cheap. Right. Will it? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, there's, there's the obvious options that exist right now. You know, uh, one day you will see ND Miatas and BRZs in there. Um, yeah. But I don't really know what's going to happen, you know. Uh, manuals are starting to go away. Um, I guess kind of dual-clutch transmissions are at a lower price point, but not really. Uh, I mean, they're still pretty expensive. Um, and then, I mean, you have automatics. Now, they're much better than uh, the days of old, right? You already talked about the difference of, you know, the 2007 and the two cars made in the 80s in front of it, right? Uh, the transmission <laughs> you get today or tomorrow that you would be racing with in 10 years or whatever um, is not a slush box. I mean, it's it's yeah. an automatic transmission, which is, you know, what the slang means. So kind of, I guess it is, but it doesn't feel like it. Um, you know, the shifts are smoother. Uh, or, you know, they, they can be faster. Um, you know, the calibration is significantly better, right? And, and then things are electronically actuated rather than trying to build pressure in these valve bodies that sit at the bottom of your old, you know, automatic trans. So, um, I don't, I don't really know what we'll see, um, or what people will use. You know, I can't imagine it'll be a field of just, you know, the BRZ and Miata, right? I mean, Civic still exists and whatever, but, um, you know, the, the variety is shrinking for sure. Um, but you're not going to be allowed to have, at least for something like Champ Car, you're not going to be allowed to have those higher end cars that have a manual mm -hmm. because it's an enthusiast thing, right? You're not going to see an M2 show up i don't yeah. think yeah um At least so yeah i mean it, it's a good in, question in the main classes yeah so i mean i i agree it's it's a good question um i don't really know uh i mean what do you think yeah i mean yeah i think it maybe the the variety will change i mean you'll still see the older cars but i imagine at some point the uh, the the viability of running a 1970s or 80s car, you know, in 2030 or, or, or something might be uh, 
you know, less and less possible due to just parts availability and especially in maybe not as commonly raced platforms. So yeah, your Miata, your E30, I mean, they can probably, they'll have some staying power, but you know, if you're racing something uh, a lot more obscure, um, conquest, it, it might <laughs> like a conquest or I don't know, like a Fiero or I don't know, just anything that's, uh, th you know, maybe they didn't sell that many and uh, back in the day. So there's really not as much incentive for, you know, places to stock parts or keep making them. So, you know, it, 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 it I think it'll change. I mean, they'll obviously have to adjust, uh, what cars are allowed and everything, but I don't know. I mean, I guess specifically talking about like manuals and automatics and everything. I mean, it's pretty rare to see a, uh, you know, a traditional manual transmission in professional racing anymore. I mean, it's right. It's all dual clutch or, uh, you know, uh, you know, sequential mm -hmm. transmissions and yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I don't think I don't see, I think the Mercedes GT four car has one and I think that's mm. it. Like that's, if you wanted I mean, a manual, that's your option. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and but I don't really see you know race drivers really complaining about that. I mean, it's they just want to go fast. They want to go. Yeah, as, they're as trying fast to win. They want to win races, right? If you're trying to yeah win a race, you don't want a manual. Uh, manuals are fun. I like them. Right. Um, I I haven't had a anything that's not a manual um, or i mean even if you include bikes as like sequential um I, like i haven't had an automatic in a long time right ctsv and miatas um i'm, I'm a fan mm -hmm. you know i i understand that way of life but um <laughs> but yeah if you're trying to win a race it's not the answer you know they're they're great for going yeah, out I mean, on track and like being one with the car but they're not they're not fast a, you know, a dual clutch transmission is significantly faster. And if you're trying to win a race, that's what you want. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. You're not going to yeah, see there's... a race car driver complain about that. Yeah. And, and there's, there's other factors too, like, you know, driveline shock and reliability. And mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I mean, so, you know, we, we've raced, uh, so we have a, a Volvo, I guess at least a friend of ours has a uh, Volvo 960 wagon that we raced in Lemons and Champ Car. Yeah, um, and, we, and you know Eric's Eric's driven it. I, I've driven it a lot, uh, and the car only came in an automatic. Uh, so the nine 940s had a manual option, but the 960s were just the the more high end plush luxury mobile with the straight six and a automatic transmission. Um, and yeah, we, we raced it with the auto for a few years. And one thing I really liked about it was it's, it, other than sometimes it could be a little unreliable, just overheating and, and such. Um, it was very consistent and very easy for the drivers. Like you had to, we wouldn't have to worry about a money shift. You wouldn't have to worry about someone not downshifting, right. He not heel towing. Like it's right. It was it was both easier on the car and easier, you know, for the drivers too. Like, uh, I mean, you could left foot brake if you wanted to, um, but also like the brake zones were just that much easier. I mean, it definitely, 
the performance isn't as good under braking because you don't have the engine braking you do with a manual. But um, mm-hmm. as long as the brakes are sized adequately, which on a Volvo 960 they were, because uh, that thing is even meant for towing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, yeah, it was it was nice. There were there were the headaches of an old transmission, which I think we've already covered. If you have an automatic in future racing from today, you're not going to have. Um, you know, so there, there were some tricks, right? You put it in D3 or whatever because it didn't have the overdrive, and if it ever shifted mm-hmm. in overdrive, you were just boned. Um, you know, yep. so so there was there was some weird stuff there, but I mean, you're right. It, it's definitely way smoother on the drivetrain, a hundred percent. You know, and I, I guess we we can get into how the OEs approach that in a minute, but I guess really to belabor your point, uh, the mutual friend um, swapped a manual into that. Sweet. It's awesome. All right. They're fun. Um, How long did that last? Yeah. um, So we we did one practice day. It went pretty well. Uh, And then so we... We did have, we are, I mean, it was a used transmission, no rebuild or anything. So we just went right into it. Uh, we, we, I think he was just using a, a, a standard kind of like mobile one, uh, gear oil. And so it was already having the first practice. They had some downshifting issues. It's a little, little crunchy if you didn't rev match it just right. Um, so we switched to like red line and that seemed to help it. Uh, and unfortunately it's first race. Uh, it, it, with the manual, it had a kind of completely unrelated issue. It was a uh, overheated due to a, a coolant hose popping off, which really just it just ended the weekend. Basically, we lost the engine. But um, we then did a, another test day after that, just uh, just kind of for fun, as well as um, uh, the uh, James who owns it. He wanted to have his son try it, you know, try out some driving on the track and everything. So we had him in the car and. He hasn't driven too many manuals since it's kind of hard to, to find them nowadays and mm-hmm. <laughs> in cars. Uh, but he, you know, he practiced beforehand, but yeah, he just, uh, you know, he just wasn't as smooth as we were. I have a lot of experience with heel towing and everything. And, uh, yeah, he blew up third gear pretty quickly. And so if, you know, if we still had the auto in there, I don't think we would have had that issue, right. but, yeah. um, the manual, in this case, was faster. Although we've made a lot of changes to the car, other than the transmission. Right. Um, for one, the the main the manual transmission in that car versus the automatic that came with it is about 150 pounds heavier. So there you go. Or the auto is heavier, and so that alone was good for lap time. But um, in some cases, I think the gear the gear spread was a little tighter versus the four speed auto with fourth being overdrive so it's really only three speeds that are usable right and then first gear isn't very usable so you basically did the whole track in two gears um but i mean that that's um it, it, it allowed for well the driver being able to pick their gear we know is going to be faster right at, at least compared to the old slush box yeah you know that's what we expect but um yeah you know you get someone who's maybe not as experienced which isn't a problem Right? This is an amateur mm. racing series. This is where you cut your teeth. But. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, I guess for those interested, it was 
it was a second faster around Gingerman with the manual versus the auto uh, in this in this case. But you know, as as I said, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, but I think with I think with more modern transmissions with um, uh, lockup torque converters uh, that are you know tuned for for much more lockup use versus you know flex and and slip uh, or lockup off. Uh, basically, uh, with the latest technology, especially that we're seeing in, in for example, the ZF uh, transmissions that seem to be in basically every car now. Yeah, the, everything. The, the 10-speed, you know, the, yeah, the 10-speed that's in the F-150, the Silverado, the Camaro, the it's like everything, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, with those, they, uh, they're basically able to size the torque converter much smaller because of the much more... Uh, use of lockup. So in that case, basically there's a clutch that allows or that that basically removes the torque converter from the, the assembly. It locks it up, so now it's not slipping anymore, and it, it allows for some very very fast but still smooth shifts and a lot less heat generation. Um, and yeah, I mean having ten speeds on a track could be pretty nice. I mean F1 cars have eight, so right. more yeah, I think more gears. C- can help yeah these, these ones are sized really for fuel economy that's really where the uh i mean this whole like wanting to have more gears thing came from um but yeah you know it, it definitely could help you know especially if you're racing in an automatic and not doing the select to shift thing and letting it do its own thing right you're just gonna have a lot more gears down low um so i guess as long as it's not shifting all the time um you know which comes down to the cal right uh yeah it definitely could be pretty beneficial yeah and and yeah like you said with the uh with uh, the kind of manual shifting your automatic it's basically commonplace in every car i've seen in recent years where it wasn't i mean it's not in the volvo there's only just like yeah, the 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 l3 range and uh like uh, i think you could do select second uh, and it just hold second for you know your getting out of a snow rut or something mode but uh but yeah now you now you have your manual shifting so that that kind of eliminates the whole you know you can't you don't know what the car is going to do you don't have as much control over it Mm -hmm. um and with the lockup operation you have kind of nicer shifts as well as less kind of loss drive line drive train loss so Mm -hmm. uh, and potentially less heat too so it's kind of a lot of benefits there um and, uh, and yeah, so uh, I could see, I haven't seen them really race too much, but I could see it becoming more popular, especially once it's harder and harder to find, you know, manual transmission cars. Right. But, uh, it, it, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, so there are, I feel like there's always going to be pushback, um, from enthusiasts, right. You know, save the manuals. Um, mm-hmm. uh, which again, I like manuals, but I don't think that's a, it's certainly worth fighting for, for all you people listening, keep trying to get manuals if that's what you're doing, um, right? If, if, if you want one, the way to ensure that they're going to be as made as long as possible, even if it's not forever is by, you know creating that demand for them. Um, that being said, 
most car enthusiasts are not really creating demand for them. Uh, they're cheap bastards yeah. like me, and they're not going out and buying new cars, you know, which <laughs> is understandable uh, to me. Uh, new cars are incredibly expensive, uh, and I personally don't ever really see myself buying a new car. But if you want to save the manual, that's how you do it, right, is you, you are the demand in the supply and demand chain. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, it's really interesting to me. Um, I've had, all, honestly, a, a few people complain to me because uh, they know I'm, you know, Ford Performance, um, that they wish the GT500 came with a manual, right? Um, and I understand that to some extent, but I have a few bullet points, rebuttals, I guess, <laughs> right? So mm -hmm. um, just opening another White Claw real quick. <laughs> um, so first of all let's start with the GT500 is an expensive car awesome car fantastic car uh, I've read multiple reviews that say the transmission which is a dual clutch is as good as or better than the PDK which has been the gold standard it's the Porsche dual clutch you know fucking 30 syllable German name, of course, but you know, it's been the gold <laughs> standard forever. And you know, to see that is awesome. Right. So, you know, that it really is a good car. Um, and, and that transmission is what's going to help it get good lap times, which is also what enthusiasts care about, right? You open up road and track and you say, you're a car and driver. I don't want to offend whoever's writing these articles. So, <laughs> Some of them go to VIR, uh, and you compare those lap times, right? And yep. um, that, that's what you're doing. You're looking at the lap times, and, you know, you want a faster lap time, you get a faster trance. Um, so there's, I guess there's, there's that argument. But it, it's, it, it's a good car. Uh, it's an expensive car. It's a very expensive car. It starts expensive, and then dealerships do their own dealership markup bullshit and then it finishes at a incredibly expensive car so the next time someone says save the manuals yeah. ask them if they're going to go buy a hundred thousand dollar mustang and i thought not right get fucked like you're yeah. not buying that car so what do you have to stand on when you complain about it you know um and yeah. honestly just as a side note, for an alternative, I think the GT350, personally, is even cooler just because I like the naturally aspirated engine, flat plane, high revving, and you can get a manual on that one, right? So you want a manual? Mm -hmm. Go get that car. That's a driver's car. That's a real driver's car. Buy that. Oh, you're probably not going to buy a $40,000 used Mustang either, but <laughs> go buy that one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, we see it time and time again where yeah, you're on Jalopnik or, or whatever, you know, even like, even like car and driver or on track where they have these articles, save the manuals, save the manuals. And it's, yeah, I mean, 
everyone's like, yeah, I mean, we, we want to, we want manuals. Like you can't believe another car manufacturer took away uh, the Supra, no, ma- no manual, the GT 500, no manual Corvette, no manual. And, and it, the, but the, the thing is though, are any of these people commenting or putting in their commentary, are they going to buy a new Corvette? Kind of like what you said, like, are they going to buy a new GT 500? Yeah. You know, no, no, they're not. <laughs> the person, the person who can afford it probably wants the, the automatic cause you know they're probably a little older and because they have the money and and uh maybe they like that automatic life you know yeah or if they want to take it to a track it's it's going to be faster um yeah if they want to take it drag racing it's going to be faster i mean drag racers have been using automatics for so many years i mean it's yeah i mean it's just i mean you know some as long as you're comparing performance metrics oes are going to be inclined to put not automatics or not manuals sorry in the car you know dual clutches or automatics whatever it is right they're not going to want to have that manual in their zero to 60 time right so yep yeah so uh, i mean i've as far as the whole save the manuals thing I've, i've actually always just kind of been on not really on that side i mean i I mean, personally, I'm I'm doing my part. I'm leasing a 2019 Corolla hatch with a manual transmission. Hey, and I had to, too. you know, special. I had to special order that to have the manual because, of course, you know, you'll never find it uh, on a on a dealer lot because they're just gonna put the the CVT ones out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I did my part. I I. I like it for driving around town uh, unless there's traffic, then I hate it or, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but you know, for driving around and, and kind of having, having, making the most of a, you know, kind of slow and boring car. It, I, I enjoy it. It's, it's nice. Um, it, it's no longer the, you know, it doesn't, it no longer makes the car cheaper like it used to really, uh, uh, since, you know, the, they're lower volume and they know that, uh, you know, the people who want it are going to potentially be willing to pay a little bit more for it. Right. I mean, it, um, it, yeah, what you're talking about is all, it's all about the, the scale really. Right. You know, they're, they're making so many yeah. automatics or CVTs. It's, it ends up being cheaper. You know, even if, you know, the engineering or parts originally that go into that would be more expensive. They make so many of them and so few manuals that yeah, now it's, now it's an upcharge. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting to see that. Like you can see that with, uh, like Porsche took away from the GT three, they took away the manual and then they came out with the, and it was the nine eleven R or, uh, that, you know, they, they, it was a limited production run, but that one is like already selling for like four times as much as they, you know, the original value. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just interesting in some cases where, yeah, it's it's very very highly desired, but um, but as far as like I, I understand the the Jalapenic com- commenter or the Facebook commenter that that wants more manuals because you know in ten years or in the case of like a GT five hundred maybe twenty five years or something <laughs> when they can uh, when most of us normal people can afford to to put you know to pay for one of those I mean at that point then it's much more affordable maybe twenty thousand thirty thousand. Uh, you want to be able to go buy one because you know then you can afford it and you want to have fun with it. But uh, but yeah, it's unfortunately 
the people buying new aren't demanding that. So, right. you know, if if automakers can't make money on it, then why should they? Why should they do it? Right. Yeah, it's it's sort of a put your money where your mouth is thing, um, which is unfortunate because I feel like if a lot of people had the money, they would. Right. Cars are just crazy expensive, but also mm-hmm. understanding that dynamic, you know, it's it's kind of hard for me to you know, a bitch about, right? So like, you know, I have a a V manual. Uh, they only came in manual for first gen. Um I would love it if the you know, the new well now it's a CT5 and whatever, but if the last gen, the third gen had a manual, which it didn't, um uh, that'd be sweet. I'm also not going to go drop 87 grand at a dealership. Right. Like I understand that it's not fair for me to ask for that because I'm not buying it, you know, and for V specifically that fucking wagon, the second, you know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> man, that, all the enthusiasts want that. So a manual wagon that's been used and is now, I don't know, uh, almost 10 years old is 60 grand still. So yeah you know that's it's rough so yeah i mean if if you're an enthusiast with enough money to buy these cars it 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 could you know work out for you to to get one and uh hold on to it and keep take care of it so that it'll you could potentially sell it for more than you bought it for so there's there is that potential option but you know for for most people buying it they're they they just they want to they want a new car. They have the money, and uh, so they go out and buy the automatic because you know mm-hmm. maybe that's just that's just what they want. Yeah. So yeah, it, but I guess going back to the you know racing with with say an automatic, it I, I I haven't seen it too often yet, but I think you know I think we'll see it more and more soon, um, and I think. I think it'll be much better than, you know, uh, like our experience with the Volvo with a very old 90s. I mean, I think the design is a GM. It's a GM transmission in that and, you know, very old four-speed automatic. I don't think you can compare it to the latest eight and ten speeds. Right. I, um, I think you will. It, it'll be a minute until you see any of, like, the crazy transmissions that exist now, which, you know, ZF only almost has a monopoly on. Um, yeah. But I think that'll still be another minute, you know, because if you think about an NC Miata, their automatic transes weren't that good. I haven't driven an auto ND, um, so I, I can't comment on that. But since it's a new car, I'll just assume it's okay for now. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll still be a minute until you can see a car that's, you know, specifically in the champ car world, low enough points that has a decent trans, auto trans. You know, yeah, I think it'll still be a minute, but I, I agree whenever it that switch will happen, you know, parts will dry up because 80s cars aren't being built anymore because it's not the 80s. Um, <laughs> and you know, we're turning these into race cars, which is fun, but you're blowing things up and wrecking them and whatever, you know, these parts are disappearing, so uh, you know. I think we will see this transition eventually. Yeah. 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 It'll be interesting to see. Uh, kind of like I said, like 
drag racing, it's been the preferred transmission for many years. I mean, usually to see someone with a manual that, I don't know, a lot of serious drag racers almost like kind of make fun of you. Like, oh, great. We're going to have to clean up the, all the gears. They're going to fly out of that thing as soon as you do your first one-two shift. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's uh, that's kind of a, another aspect of it potentially is kind of what we talked about is the reliability, but not just from, you know, less driver error, but it is it is a lot easier having that torque converter. It's kind of acting as a, you know, fluid damper, mm-hmm. protecting your drivetrain during shifts and... Uh, it works. It works great in the drag racing community, and I, I imagine it'll uh, work great in uh, the the track, the the circuit racing community. Like, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, as long as you can keep the the temps in check, it should be should be good. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and I guess going back to the new cars, that is one of the things you have to plan for, right? Um, you know, even if you have a dual clutch transmission, which is pretty instantaneous in terms of gear changes um the the manufacturers controlling those ramp rates and everything um if you have a manual you just have to assume that some well if you have a high powered sports car uh you should expect the customer to try and do burnouts which is fair you should be, if you spend that much mm-hmm. money on a high-powered sports car, you should be able to do burnouts. Totally fair. Like, I, I'm not disagreeing with that. But then all of a sudden you have to look at a manual and say, hmm, well, now we need to size this for some dingus who's just going to keep clutch dumping it, right? Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, you know, the manual you had in your previous gen car doesn't work because it's just not strong enough because the car is heavier because uh, it seems like OE is just like adding weight for fun, but also, you know, more safety equipment. Um, and then you have more power and stickier tires because that technology keeps evolving. Um, and just everything gets worse for the trans or driveline anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, um, and yeah, you just have to assume that it's going to be some mouth breather who has your manual trans, uh, you know, <laughs> so it, it drives the need for a new one, um, which is just unrealistic sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. You can't always expect them to yeah, invest in, in designing a bespoke brand new transmission for a vehicle that already is probably going to be low volume, like a GT500. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the number of people that are going to take the manual uh, kind of segments that even further. So, right. you know, for them to put a bunch of R&D effort into developing basically a brand new transmission that hardly anyone's going to buy, it's you just can't you, expect them to do that. Yeah, you, you really can't. Um, I think we've mentioned this before, but like the 10-speed that's in everything is in everything because everyone had to pay for it because of the cost Mm -hmm. it was billions with a b right for research and you know development and making it but you know the reason the 10 speed is in the camaro and the silverado and the f-150 isn't because 
you know, one of the OEs was like, ooh, I like that trans. Let me get that trans. It's because it was so damn expensive to, like, make a new one that they just split the cost and mm-hmm. all paid ZF to do it, right? Like, it's yeah. just as as everything progresses and admittedly gets cooler, um, the, <laughs> the research that goes into it is crazy and the money that goes into it is also crazy. Um, yeah, so... You know, for your low volume, like you want someone to make a manual transmission, 500, 500 of those, maybe, in a specialty car? Like, come on. It's not going to happen. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it'll be, like you said, I, I think it'll be a very long time before before you, you know, say Champ Car or Lemons or uh, WRL, AR, anyone racing in those leagues really needs to worry too much about, you know, not being able to find anything manual transmissioned. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's something to think about for the future. Uh, Champ Car will have to, you know, kind of pivot their rules to allow some of these newer cars in at some point. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that that kind of goes i imagine the points will have to drop a bit on the older cars um which could make them potentially still better but just kind of harder it'll, it'll be more for the teams that are willing to put the extra time into to keep making those cars reliable and making sure that they have all the parts on hand versus kind of just showing up with something new that has traction control and abs and you know right potentially automatics that shift super fast and mm-hmm. yeah it'll, It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I I I personally, yeah, I I my dream is to drive a sequential or dual clutch, yeah. you know, full on race car like, you know, electronic or pneumatically shifted paddle shifters on every shift. Just, right. Yeah, I mean those are know, sweet. Making glorious. But if, if I can, yeah, making. S- go ahead. I just, you know, making glorious noises, the, just the acceleration of just not having to wait. You know, every time you shift, you feel like you lose that bit of a momentum, just, just the thing just accelerating to infinity, if, at least what it feels like. I I think it'll feel like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, there, there's, I think they're all sweet. Um, and if I can simp for Porsche for a minute, uh, one of the things that, I loved about that GT4 car was out of all those cars, it was the closest to the road car. Almost everything was road car. Like you could go to the Porsche dealership and buy a part and put it on your GT4 car. Like it would have worked. Um, and that race car used just the PDK that comes in that car. Um, which I think there is a manual option for the GT4 Cayman. Uh, GT4 being the trim for the road car, not the GT4 race car. Because why would you make that easy to differentiate? Um, <laughs> but I, I think there's a manual option. But the uh, the PDK is the the exact same one that's in the in the road car, and it's like I, I think it's dope. It's yeah. Personally, I think that that shows a lot for. Uh, 
what kind of abuse Porsche's road cars can stand up to. But, um, mm-hmm. man, it is sweet. There you go. Go, yeah. go buy a Cayman if you want to experience <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to some because yeah, yeah I, I can I can shift I can do manual I can uh, heel toe and everything. I just you know if I didn't have to I think I would go faster. Right. <laughs> it would be yeah, it'd would. be easier. <laughs> and I just I like going faster and and winning and everything. So yeah, um, there'll always be a place for for manual cars in my life i mean my spec miata it's going to be manual forever i'm sure spec miata will exist into the into the next millennia um because why wouldn't it so right uh yeah it there'll always there'll always be a place for it i just uh yeah i i think yeah i'd, I'd rather also just go really fast i, I want to go faster so you know i it's definitely always going to, it has, it still has a place. I just think it's just going to be harder and harder to, to find them to find, especially in entry level cars, uh, which is, you know, surprising in some ways. Cause a lot of times they would use those manuals to kind of bring down the, the MSRP of the car, uh, so they could advertise it lower, but, um, and then not build as many, right. really you would hardly see any on the lots, but, uh, but now it's just, they're finding that, yeah, the volumes aren't worth it and they can save some money by, uh, just having one spec, it, you know, it's easier to assemble. You don't have to worry about having more parts on hand, and yeah, you know, easier. <clears throat> there's a, there's easier a lot that goes to into deal with in a lot of ways. There's a lot that goes into making things easier on the manufacturing line, and that's certainly you know, not having different transmissions is you know one of them. You know, I, th- I think there's a yeah. there's a lot that people don't see when it comes to. Uh, cost cutting that these OEs do it, a lot of it really comes down to you know what the, what the assembly you know um, I guess union workers are doing right you know so it's pretty yeah um, yeah you know for sure but yeah yeah there's just there's a lot to it uh, you know because if if half the people in the world all of a sudden just said, I want a manual car and they went out and bought them, I mean, they would, they, they would. would start making more of them. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they would. So yeah, there's, there's just there, there's, there's a lot to, it. I mean, we, I could, I could get into all the, the different regulations because and nowadays manuals are less fuel efficient than automatics. It used to be kind of the other way around, uh, partially because the available, you know, number of gears as well as, uh, the kind of the losses you get from the, the older torque converters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then manual has the, has the advantage of being able to have fuel cut on D cell, you know, when you just keep it in gear and let off the gas. But, um, but nowadays it's, you know, because they're usually tuned, the gear range, the gear ratios are tuned a little more for spirited driving. It, it they tend to actually be worse, uh, usually at the very least on highway gas mileage uh and then potentially a little bit in the city but maybe not as much but uh you know because of that then there's kind of limitations on the number of transmissions they can they can spec as manuals in order to still be able to advertise the overall fuel economy of the vehicle as a certain you know a certain spec and everything so right right so yeah i mean 
and with you know cafe and all this other stuff it's just it, there's there's a lot to it you know there is i think really if is. you uh, when it, but you know when it ultimately when it comes down to it if you want to keep seeing manufacturers make manuals then then go out and buy them but i think uh also be open-minded for some of these new options coming out i think yeah either be open-minded or go that buy some s- fucking new cars with a manual one of the two <laughs> I think we could all agree that CVTs aren't the, definitely aren't the way to go for an enthusiast car. I think that's the one we can all agree isn't uh, maybe should be so kind of avoided. Just not for an enthusiast car, but honestly, in terms of engineering, I think it's an absolutely beautiful solution. Right? Why <laughs> Why would you have ten speeds when you could have infinite speeds? Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, you, I mean, you have the just an what, infinitely variable ratio between. I mean, it depends on the CVT, but between two cones, right, and they're sliding against each other, and you can just anywhere. You can always be exactly where you need to be. I get it; it's boring. You know, it's not <laughs> a good enthusiast thing, but but from an engineering perspective, I I actually do really like CVTs. I think they're awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I, the thing that annoys me most about CVTs, though, is when manufacturers still kind of basically program in distinct gears, basically. To, I think I think it's more pleasant maybe for the driver because they're, they're used to feeling yeah. kind of gear spreads and shifts and everything. I, uh, I'd rather see them just, you know, run the engine at, the most efficient point at all times since it is a CVT and it mm-hmm. can do that. Yes. Yes, it can. Um, however, however, that does lead to this really, really just terrible, terrible sounding, just especially when it's a, you know, little four cylinder car or just, it's just sad. Or it's just, it's, it's just kind of groaning. Mm-hmm. It's just groaning at, at one kind of pitch and that's it. Like it, it doesn't sound good. Um, but, uh, but as far as torque converted automatics, uh, dual clutch, I mean, I think eventually that's going to be all we're going to be able to see. So, I mean, I think we just, we have to prepare for it. I mean, then, I, you know, not to get into a whole nother thing, but, you know, electric cars too, potentially there'll be eventually when we'll be able to buy a gasoline powered car, but that's, right. that's, uh, yeah, hopefully for, us enthusiasts maybe not too far off but maybe for the planet maybe sooner than later right. is better yeah <laughs> i mean but uh so honestly uh, i um i mean i like those too so let's let's start with um like what they actually do for you right um so if you want to feel like you're driving a race car and you just want to hear a gear whine or that high pitch frequency. Get an electric car, right? Like some of those, <laughs> the noises they make sound like race car noises, minus the engine noise. Yeah. But generally, like mm-hmm. if you hopped in a GT3 car, you wouldn't hear the engine because the transmission is so loud because they're all straight cut gears, yeah. right? So <laughs> you want the cool noises, electric car. Uh, you want all the torque at low RPM, electric car and that comes from everything that, that's acceleration um you know i mean i i remember when 
uh, FCA, I guess, announced there'd be a hybrid Wrangler, and people were losing their mind. Like, ah, oh, this is a Jeep. It's America. You can't do that. It's like, yo, um, I understand you're probably just taking your Jeep mall crawling, so it doesn't matter. But if you're actually trying to rock crawl, you want as much torque at the lowest RPM as you can get. We have a device that will do that for you. It's an electric mm-hmm. motor. It's it's made for this. Like like yeah. Hulk and the Infinity Stones. It's like it was made for this. <laughs> right? Like <laughs> the the fact that you just don't like it just because, right? Uh, it's electric. You know, I rock crawl and electrics for the the hippies or whatever's going on through your head. Like suits your needs best um yeah so i don't i don't know honestly i uh i i kind of like um and i i personally humbly feel like the 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 move for the best cars and the highest performance cars will be hybrids um i mean you kind of saw that for a second with uh the 918, the LaFerrari, and the P1. Um, and then yeah, other cars that were just ice-powered came out. And, you know, depending on what they were meant for, right, did better um, in, in certain aspects. But, you know, electric motors do really well at lower-ish RPM. And lower-ish is a very general term, Right. You know, um, they they fall off hard at high RPM. But, you know, depending on the motor, high RPM is 12,000, you know, not five. Yeah. Or seven. Um, you know, and then so these hybrids, I think, is, you know, high RPM, your electric motor falls off. And that's actually right when your ICE engine starts to come into play. Like, that's when it hits its good streak. So, you know, I I think that's, you know, really a, a, a fantastic relationship between the two, you know. Um, yeah. You know, and... I mean, we... Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we already see it in Formula One, LMP1. Uh, yeah. You know, hybrid cars that are some of the fastest in the world or the fastest in the world. Um, and then, you know, then we have electric race cars formula e the uh the volkswagen idr that has the pikes peak record right um and yeah it's i think uh, you know my opinion is still just i just want to go fast if electric cars go really fast which they do i'm all for it uh, I, I don't really need the noises i mean i definitely don't need any more miata four-cylinder <laughs> sounds awful bumblebee noises yeah. in my in my life yes. but uh <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I'll take. I'm sure we can come to to appreciate the electric noises. Like some people will be like, "Oh, look at the whine of my electric motor. It's so much better than your right. electric whine." And yeah, and you can probably you know, change it, that with the poles in the motor for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. The yeah, uh, I, pe- I guess the the only thing I am concerned about from an enthusiast perspective really is the weight. So I don't know how yeah. like how far you've gone on the spectrum but like 
if you go drive a Miata and then immediately after hop in a CTSV. Again, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but it's the car I own. Okay. So just relax. <laughs> it's where I have experience. A luxury high powered sedan, an M car. Um, Porsches aren't heavy. They're actually pretty light, but an AMG, an M car, an Audi, uh, any of those, right? Uh, they're fast. You can really hustle them around a track, but in terms of driver feel, like you feel the weight for sure. You know, even if even if they're sprung properly, you know, and they have the right roll rate and all that other, you know, happy horse shit. Um, they're just you. The inertia is there. Physics doesn't change, and you notice that. And um, I guess that's the only concern I have, right, is I, I don't want to lose ice cars because they they feel phenomenally better. Like, if you ever mm -hmm. gave me an option, there's a reason I want a key car with a bike engine in it, right? Like, <laughs> as little weight as possible. They, they just feel so much better. You're so much more connected as a driver. Um, you know, my... If, if there's a drum I'm going to beat until I die, it's lightweight. And that's, <laughs> uh, that is not what you get with an electric car, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, I guess, unfortunately, um, with the push for just more and more range, it seems to be the biggest demand from the customer. Any new battery technology doesn't really go into reducing the size of the weight of the battery pack more into stuffing more batteries into the same pack to get more range, you know, out of the same weight basically right so which does I, give you a, a higher energy density you know so if you wanted to have reduced range you would have a lighter pack than otherwise you would have a few years before but i agree it's that that would we need to go really far down that road to get to that point and then they would also need to offer that as an option right where's my yeah Where's my super cheap 10 grand Tesla that only has like 80 mile range? That's the one I want, right? It's only <laughs> rear wheel drive. It's minimally, you know, outfitted. It's just, just got a motor and very small batteries. That's, that's all I want, you know? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just I mean, you look at the IDR, and it can, it can just go up Pikes Peak or around Nürburgring, and, and that's it. It's out of juice. Yeah. You know, once, mm -hmm. and uh, and then Formula E. Like at least I'm not. I think they, I think it's been they've they've increased the range to that they don't have to swap cars in the middle. I, I'm not 100. percent I haven't watched in a while, but I know in the beginning they they had to stop. You know, their pit stop would be not changing tires. It would yeah, be the changing driver the runs car to a different car. Jump out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> jump out, hop in another car, and then get and go go go. So. Uh, yeah, there's still there's still ways to go for certain things like that, and I I agree the the weight is always is always a problem. Um, so yeah, it'll uh, I yeah I'd prefer not to race one unless yeah we can get it to some some reasonable weights below three thousand at least. Right. But uh, yeah, and yeah, and it's... I mean you know to the note because we're talking about it, I feel like I should 
at least say, you know, uh, battery technology has increased faster than anything else ever because of this demand. And honestly, it's not just cars, right? Um, yeah. Cell phones, honestly, are another huge portion of that market. Um, but yet there, there's a huge demand in a lot of aspects, a lot of different aspects of, you know, people's lives where they're demanding more performance out of the battery. And um, if, if you look at the, I guess, the time compared to improvement graph, uh, of batteries compared to anything else ever, it's phenomenal. Like it, it really is pretty awesome. Um, yeah. You know when when everyone targets one thing, uh, how well we can, you know, uh, do it. it. It's it is really cool. Um, but we're not there yet. I just want want a two thousand pound car max. No more. <laughs> Just lightweight. That's all I want. That's all I care about. Yeah. 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 So it's, you know, I think, yeah, the, the, the future, you know, I think still looks bright for racing. It's just, it's definitely going to look different, but yes. Uh, but one thing that won't be different is, is, uh, is that we'll still be here talking about it. That's right. That's right. We will discussing it ranting about it damn right always um, i never you know, stop ranting of course get a few white claws in me and i'll just go forever <laughs> as long as uh yeah as long as you keep listening we'll keep talking honestly we'll just keep talking yeah, we're gonna listening. talk anyway so you know whatever <laughs> yeah forget the listener uh but speaking of all this new car stuff and changes and technology did you see the announcement of the new Raptor Sun, boy, you see it? Yes. All right. Well, for anybody who hasn't, dope. Uh, so the the suspension has switched to a five link rear. Um, so it's still a solid axle, um, but it's got coil springs. Um, and if we're gonna nerd out for a minute, um, what you're really getting from that is uh, because you have the five link, uh, you have a much, a significantly higher lateral stiffness um, because leaf springs are, and their shackles are somehow expected to um, support that, that lateral movement. Um, but surprise, uh, if you actually have arms um, or mechanical links that are meant to support those loads, uh, it's stiffer, mind-blowing. Um, but then what that also means is the springs only need to do spring things. They don't need to, you know, carry load or anything else. I, I mean, you know, in, in a different uh, direction, obviously. Obviously, the, you know, the spring is still loaded up. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, got the specs, the the more travels and you know the, the more ground clearances and approach and departure angles and it's dope uh i guess the engine specs are not uh released yet or official yet um so that's still tbd this new one is going to still be the EcoBoost. they did say there will be a v8 
in the future. 2022, mm. Scribe. 2022 <laughs> VA Raptor. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you, you could almost have the same, you know, save the manuals. You could also say, save the V8. Or... Uh, yeah, you could. And one of those I care <laughs> more about. We, even even that's hard to it's really hard to, to justify for sure. Yeah. Um yeah. actually as an interesting note, the uh uh I forgot his position, but one of those turds over at FCA said uh the Hellcat engine um right cuz that's the engine code that they used. Um is not long for this world. It's only probably only got a couple more years left. And that that's because of cafe standards. Um, you yeah. know, so it's, it's almost done. Um, you know, they've, they've really squeezed all they could out of it. They put it in absolutely everything. So good on them, I guess. Uh, not to get too far off base, but it's an interesting ecosystem, right? So what you have to do, if you make cars that are not efficient, right? And you have this vehicle portfolio portfolio. Um, is the way that the government looks at it. And you have, you saw so many cars with a certain fuel economy, emission standards, whatever, and it, it puts you in a certain position. So if you're FCA, what you do is ignore all that, put the Hellcat engine and everything, uh, have absolutely abysmal performance, and then you buy these tax credits. Who do you buy them from? Well, you buy them from electric car manufacturers. Oh, mm-hmm. Tesla never turns a profit, uh, even though their stock always goes up. Um, and I, honestly, the past few years, maybe not this most recent year, um, especially with nobody driving and shit, but for a while, um, that's the only reason Tesla ever had a profit is because GM, Chrysler, and Ford all had to buy tax credits from them. So they were mm-hmm. well into the red, and then all of a sudden, hey, we're good, right? And then <laughs> the, the other large OEs have these tax credits that they need for CAFE standards. Um, and Chrysler is the most egregious of them all, I suppose. But, uh, but yeah, I, I guess it's interesting to note that thing will be, that engine will be gone soon enough. So if you want your Hellcat or Hellcat Red Eye or Demon or you know, whatever, float your boat. Literally, because those vehicles are not light at all. They're boats. Um, <laughs> and buy it now, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so that's that's interesting. And and actually, while I'm ranting, I'll just keep going. While I'm on about that, uh, all the time I hear about the TRX, right? Um, you're not supposed to say that at Ford, you know. If more than 10 people listen to this podcast, I might lose my job, but they don't. So we're good. Um, anyways, so the, uh, uh, I, I, you hear a lot in these magazine comparisons, they just compare the cars, right? Um, a Ram or FCA entered the world, you know, of the Raptor, which had been largely uncontested. Um, and they obviously have this big supercharged V8. Um, and because Ford announced there will be a V8, they say, you know, is it, uh, oh, they're finally responding finally after, I don't know what it is, eight months or something, maybe not even probably. Um, uh, this is just on un- horribly unrealistic. So just 
to give everybody an idea of how cars work and development, um, I watched a, I was watching a documentary about the 918, but they focused, they, they focused on the 918, but they talked about all those hybrid supercars that we kind of mentioned earlier. Um, and they were talking to the lead engineer of the 918. And they said, oh, so, you know, it was this Porsche's response because McLaren came out with the P1. And McLaren had just come out with it six months earlier. And the guy starts laughing his ass off. And he's like, no. No way. Right? <laughs> These cars are in development for years. Like the 918 yeah. was in development for over five years. Right? And I mean, that that's life cycle of cars. I, I mean, I, I guess I haven't been around them enough to give you a a good range but five to seven years maybe right so to yeah. ever think um and you know and you can expand this to every other car ever when it comes out to when mm -hmm. it comes to like two cars being close and they come out near the same time one is not a response to the other in any way um because they're working on it for seven years before then you know, to think that a manufacturer is going to have a ready-to-go car six months, you know, that's going to last 100,000 miles with blah, 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 warranty. No. No, it's just unrealistic. Yeah. So. I guess thanks for coming yeah, to my I mean, TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe they can make some last-minute changes to kind of marketing strategies and pricing and that kind of thing, but... As far as the design of the car and its specs and everything, it's it's kind of yeah, it's it's been thought about, you know, way you know several years before. So mm -hmm. yeah, just but sometimes you just get these times where it all kind of comes together. Where yeah, you get the LaFerrari 918 and the P1 all kind of coming out in the same year or so, uh, and making this big rivalry and everything. But yeah. you know, it, it they they didn't. They didn't see. Oh, look! McLaren has you know a hybrid. We should we should add a hybrid to our cars. <laughs> right. like, you know. Yeah, there's no way. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's there's there's a lot. There's definitely you know having you know working in the auto, automotive industry. There's a lot that I I learned that you know being here that it's just it's it's a lot different than maybe you see you know or think about or think it is when you're you know, kind of on the outside. So right. Yeah, I mean especially if you're. Um, if you're on the outside and just reading those articles, um, which are fun to read, 100%. You know, I, I mean, I obviously read them, um, and they're interesting, and they, they give you good perspective. But, you know, I guess when they refer to manufacturers having a response to another, just throw that part out of the window, that paragraph or those few <laughs> paragraphs. Just ignore that part because it's, it's all speculative and wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's, there's, there's always, there's a lot of interesting trends going on in the automotive industry and, uh, but it's, it's definitely, it's very slow moving, yeah. uh, over time. Uh, even, you know, companies like Tesla that are trying to be super fast moving, uh, they're still, you know, they only come out with a new model every, you know, year or two and that's. And then the cars That's, actually yeah, delivered yeah. to customers another year after that. So. <laughs> so, yeah, everything everything takes a while to to figure out, especially in these big companies. I mean, it, it it's, can be for the, the good, 
for good and for bad. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of hands in the, you know, in the, uh, in the basket or a lot of, uh, cooks in the kitchen, but Mm -hmm. ultimately it gives, uh, there's a lot of people can give their unique perspectives into it, uh, to make sure nothing's missed, uh, and usually ends up with potentially more reliable products and, uh, you know, maybe something that's cheaper too. So, um, yeah, it's, there's, there's, I guess, uh, going back real quick, uh, the, my question to you is, are you going to buy the new Raptor? Yeah, dude, I'll just reach into my piggy bank and buy it. I don't know if they announced a price for it, but just going, how much was the last one? I, I think at least 60. Okay. Like, you know, the lower end one. Yeah, I'll, I'll just go get a $60,000 truck. Because I do all the Baja racing and, you know, um, yeah, that's easy. Easy. (laughs) I'll do that for sure. Um, I mean, I do like it, uh, but yeah. All right. Uh, I just pulled it up. Starts at, so good luck finding one minimally optioned at a dealership. Also with no dealership markup. But yeah, it starts at 53, almost five. So. Yeah. It's, it's only 55 grand. It's only money, dude. It's, it's a good way to look at everything in, in life. It's only money. Yep. Only money. That's all it is. Just spend your, uh, spend your game stock, uh, GameStop stock uh, games hey, on it. No, no. Hold. Diamond hands. Don't listen to this guy. <laughs> Buy GME, buy AMC, maybe buy Nokia, diamond hands, hold, <laughs> don't sell, hold, or buy more, hold the line, hold the line or buy more, but we're, <laughs> we are the, the Roman centurion, you know, formation, we're strong together, <laughs> hold the line, uh. don't, don't. Oh, got it. <laughs> I feel like, well, don't sell it to buy a Raptor. Raptors are dope. <laughs> buy a Raptor if you have the money, but hold the line. <laughs> uh, okay. I think, I think with that, uh, I think with that, uh, we're, I think it's a good place to, to, to wrap it up. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, thanks, thanks again for uh, listening this long. It's good motorsport tech rambles. Yeah, um, it's mostly what it was today is motor motorsport tech ramble. <laughs> so, yeah, as, but as always, uh, make sure you if you wanna if you wanna follow us more closely and everything, uh, check out our our Facebook and our Instagram at uh, Motorsports Tech Talk. Uh, Oh, it's, you know, it, we usually post when the the new episodes come up and everything then. And, you know, if you have any comments, leave them there. I also have to say, uh, not a financial advisor. Don't listen to me. Uh, I'm just some ass hat <laughs> talking about what I'm doing or what I would do with stocks. Uh, don't take my advice. Thanks. Yep. So, yep. Motorsports, stock options. No, nope, nope. you know, we're not. We're not giving here. financial advice. None of that was advice. Just, <laughs> just meme-based 
opinions. No advice. Don't listen to us. <laughs> uh, a little disclaimer so. on the end. Yep. Yep. Always got to throw that in. Yep. Always got to. We, we're, we're big fans of disclaimers here. That's um, right. Don't sue but, me. Uh, uh, but uh, I think I think with that we can uh, we can wrap it up here. So <laughs> okay. Thanks again. Uh, thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you guys again soon. See you.